0: What's the crack? Welcome to the Irish Voice Podcast, another edition of Family Therapy, dropping every Friday where we're going to talk about Ericton Hag's press conference and just some stories that went on through the week. As usual, my mum's here, Jackie McGuinness. Hello everyone. Up? You calmed down after the other night. Mm. Bit animated boy. Well. Yeah. So today folks we're gonna cover some of the stories that have come out from Erikton hag Um well Erickton rumours I would say that have been put online by various different media outlets in the tsunami of abuse that seems to have come out after the result against Newcastle. We're going to have a chat about Jim Ratcliffe's influence, uh, money promise for infrastructure at Manchester United, and agent infrastructure, as he described it. Uh, we're going to have a chat about some players and whether they deserve to be at Manchester United or should they be gone, some of the bigger stars, and then, of course, a look ahead towards the Fulham game tomorrow. So we just seen the backlash there of the press conference, a very animated press conference from Hag, where he basically defended his style of play and he defended his player's character and he said that we wouldn't have beaten Brantford, to we not of characters in the dressing room? Do you agree with that? Or do you think that's deflection, and
1: I think he's deflecting. I think there's himself and his players are under way too much scrutiny at the minute in the media. So understandably he's gonna come out and be positive or throw a positive light um especially on the on the players, but in my opinion, they have to stand up and be accountable.
0: Yeah, I think he is trying to handle everything internally, which is something we've seen from him, which is brilliant. Uh, there has been wee moments where he's outed at certain players and he's called certain things out, but I think he's learned from that, especially the Sancho situation. If there are disagreements with characters within the dressing room, I think he wants to face that himself. But not to go into the rumours and the unrest and forget the press conference, but I think we have seen... Some of the negative stories that can be pumped out by bullshit artists in the media um, as soon as a story drops. Raphael Varane misses the game against Newcastle, and all of a sudden that was intentional. He's not happy he got dropped by City. And then it came out that the lad was ill. And then Erickson Ten Hag in his press conference today said that Varane was back. So that is just an example of how this man doesn't have to do or say anything. And a rhetoric will be built around it. Oh, we lost the change of room. Varane hates him.
1: But that's always been the way. For a club like Man United. And he's just going to have to deal with that. Because it's... The twisting from journalists and vloggers and bloggers. And made up stories. And exaggerated stories. That is part and parcel of managing a team like Man United. He is going to have to deal. And I would love the club to be more honest at times. In statements and in press conferences. To come out and say... That's bullshit. Yeah, I would love to to dismiss not just the stories, but the person behind the stories. And it's call them, well, you sort of you'd be liable for all sorts of suits, lawsuits, and stuff like that. But to to sit to call these liars out.
0: Yeah, I think the club did it, didn't they? There was one of the, another one of the rumours that dropped, and again, not to come away from the press conference, but another one of the rumours that dropped very, very quickly was, oh, they're considering the Sporting Lisbon manager who was on the um, shortlist of names before Ten Hag came in and also Cinelline Sudan. And then out of nowhere, Eze jumped onto it and said, oh, actually, they're considering Hansi Flick as a replacement. And the club itself came out through Fabrizio Romano and said, that's bullshit. That's out-and-out out lies.
1: I think the Sporting Lisbon manager came out and said... In other words, first heard of it, yeah.
0: It's out and out lies by media outlets.
1: Throwing names out into the ether.
0: But as we know, negativity sells. There's a brilliant Denzel Washington quote. Um, He was asked one time about mainstream media and he says, if you don't read the media, you're not informed. And if you read the media, you're misinformed. And that applies largely to Manchester United. So if there was anything I could tell fans moving forward, don't react to the story when it comes out. Wait and see what the truth behind it is.
1: Especially if it's on social media.
0: Yeah, because some of these people are... Paid and sponsored to just pump these stories out because they know it gets a reaction from all of us and it'll be shared everywhere and all of a sudden we build a false narrative around something that's nothing. Raphael Varane being the perfect example. The lad was sick. He missed the Newcastle game. He's back now. Victor Lindelof is sick. Apparently he has the same illness. So obviously there was a bug or something doing the rounds Victor Lindelof. Last time
1: of the year, isn't it?
0: That's it. Uh, also, in the press conference, this is the one point I really want to drill down on because when we were all reacting to the match the other night, it was a massive topic of conversation. Erik ten Hag says there is a defined style of play at Manchester United. Now he said that his defined style of play is not the Ajax way. That we can't expect that because this is different players, and he wants to bring a bit of the United ethos into his way of playing football. And then he he said that. Injuries are prohibiting the current team, like you made the point the other night, from being able to play in the style of routines that he wants to. So that, he is bringing up the point then that he agrees with yourself, he agrees with Kieran. He isn't being given the right opportunity to play his style of football. He hasn't got the right personnel at the moment. Yes, at the minute the personnel is hindering him. But he also said, look, there is a defined style. One of the main things that I picked up on, and I don't know if this is him misunderstanding how this is coming across with the Dutch to English translation. He mentioned that when teams play, that one of his tactics is to play the long ball, that he wants to beat the press and break the press by releasing players through the long ball, which has been criticised by a lot of United players, that we sort of pass the ball around, lose track of ideas and then lump the ball forward. So it was interesting to see him pick that up and say, well, that is actually a tactical thing. We do have players like Coimeland and Rashford that can get on the end of these. But is it,
1: or is that lost in translation? Sometimes he's not very good. He's not very articulate at getting a point, getting across his, his point of view. And you can see sometimes in the speech, he's a bit frustrated that he doesn't know the English word for it.
0: Possibly. I mean, if we read the direct quote, this is what I'm alluding to. So... He was asked about his philosophy and his style of play and he said, I can't play like Ajax play. It is different players so I came here with my philosophy based on possession and that's what we're seeing. But I wanted to combine it with the DNA of Manchester United and the players, the characters of them. Last year we saw what that was. We played very good football. This season, the philosophy is different. Only I want to emphasise more on going direct. So to me he's saying, look, last season was good football but that's not how I wanted to play which is what we all thought. And he's saying, this season you're seeing the way that I want to play, which is not going right for me. He said, the explanation for me saying direct is that I want to go for long balls. I didn't bring in Onana to do that. I want to play from the back. We tried every game, including against City. But when a team is playing in such a high press, it is a good option to go direct. To me, being in the long ball. I explained in pre-season in the USA, we want to play, we want to press, we want to press from different blocks and then go direct. We have the players like Haveland, Anthony, Rashford, McTominay, Fernandes, who are very good in it. The passing of Eriksson or fullbacks joining in. That was my idea. I think I explained it very clearly, and that's where he came on it. So, well, I'm confused. <laughs> slightly, no.
1: Yeah, I, what is it? A sort of a hybrid, a counter-attacking possession-based football. I, that, to me, does not make any sense.
0: It doesn't. And this is where I am worried about the man. And I'm not going to go onto my soapbox again where and Hag is concerned. But even he sounds like he's struggling to find his identity of what that is. What that looks like when he incorporates a, a need from Manchester United fans to have a more attacking direct football. Now, I hope he's not talking about the long ball in the English sense of the long ball. Yeah. Because the long ball to us means that you hoof the ball up from the back and you hope your players get on to the end of it. But he mentioned some technically gifted players there. He mentioned Bruno Fernandes, who would be very poor at playing on the long ball, but he can play the long balls. Now, the long ball to me, my interpretation of the long ball system is it comes from your centre-backs. And we've seen it in a few instances where Johnny Evans and Harry Maguire will hoof the ball up the pitch. And hopefully it lands still a player in the right position. when it does, it's magic. The Bruno Fernandes goal, it looks incredible. But what I think he's trying to say with the long ball is the long pass.
1: Yeah, I think that's it. I agree with you.
0: That straight-through striking ball where you can turn the transitional play of a team on its head where they press you high and all of a sudden you find that one pass between the lines where a Bruno Fernandes or a Mason Mount picks it up a Marcus Rashford or a Heuven picks it up and all of a sudden you're away
1: who did that on Wednesday night and if it had come off it would have been Bruno I think oh did he Hmm. no it was it was somebody in the first half I think Mount I can't remember but I remember sitting watching it and going that is more the style of play I want to see, know Maybe that's what that transition, you know, from mid-fit, that instead of this tippy-tappy, to me, to you, to me, to you. And then, but I think if there's an opening, that long, that long pass. Because to me, the long ball is you turn over possession in your own half and then you've either, whoever is there, just then that's when the striker makes the run because he knows that. Yeah.
0: He's it's going to get diagram. the long ball. Yeah, Yeah, it's the long diagonal. Yeah. That's the long ball tactic. You take the ball in-round your centre-backs. You're kind of devoid of other ideas, but somebody's made a run and you play that big long ball. Yeah. So I'm going to choose to believe that he did not mean the long ball in the sense that we would pick that up. Um, Sean Dyche style. Sean Dyche style. I think what he means is he wants to play longer passes, break the line passes, because I don't think he's just talking about who for the ball at the pitch. He did allude to, and one of the points you were trying to make there... Um, And one of the points you've consistently made about routines being disrupted by players constantly being in and out of the team and that he is not chopping and changing the team out of anything but necessity. Mm -hmm. That every time he seems to come to a game, there's a problem or an issue. And what's evident is Victor Lindelof, who started first against Newcastle, is out. Now, personally, I'm glad to see Raphael Varane come back in, but irregardless of my feelings, again, it's a change. Yeah. There's Um, been
1: no consistency this season through either illness or injury. Yeah, and personnel in midfield, and especially that defense has been chopping and changing way too much for there to be a a settled style of play i I think sometimes I think the man alludes to right if i've got the personnel, I have to play the counter attacking game, and yet when I have other personnel, I can play the possession based game. It depends on. Who is available for selection for on that particular day?
0: Yeah, but one of my criticisms of him in the past was, and it's interesting to see him see this because this is a double-edged sword. I wanted Ertin Hag to can persist with his style of play. I wanted to see the Manchester in way of playing under Ertin Hag, right? And I believe from his words today that I'm seeing it, but it's going wrong. And I think what he's alluding to is last year's football was good football, but I'm not playing that now, regardless of who I have available. We are playing with our style and our identity, but it's not working because there's too many changes and I have too many injuries. And I think that's what he's alluding to. He hasn't dropped back into the counter-attacking sense again this season. He hasn't played counter-attacking football this season. What he's done is he has persisted with his style of play in the hope that he can bring the players along with him. The players that maybe don't suit the system can learn how it is. And I suppose to a sense, and it's not nice to think he would take a seasonal hit to see this, But it shows him who, on the pitch, not just in training, cannot cope with this system. And we're seeing that evidently now, week on week, game on game. And I think that's where he will possibly sit down with Jim Ratcliffe or the possible appointment of Paul Mitchell and say, look, X, Y and Z can play it, these boys can't, and I have persisted with it. It's there, it's evident on the pitch. But if you're going to stick with me, then you need to listen to what I'm telling you when it comes to certain players no matter what their station is in our team, if it's Rashford, if it's Bruno, if it's Casemiro, who's newly signed, if they don't suit it, they need to be replaced.
1: I agree with you. I agree. It doesn't matter what status you are, or how many social followers you have. They have, if, if they are going to back him, and if they are, and there's talk of giving him, uh, there's talk of contract talks. So, but that's, they say that's on the back burner, until Jim Radcliffe until this
0: oh, yeah, of course. takeover
1: happens but if they're going to back him they have to get rid of the players that can't implement his style of play
0: and from all accounts they are backing him <clears throat> so it'll be interesting I just the current board is backing him it's interesting to see what happens yeah. when and when we say the board it's such a confusing term to say the board that, that paints a picture of there's seven or eight people Murda and Arnold it's Murda and Arnold yeah. John Murda chose him Arnold came in with Murda they obviously have a chemistry and a connection to each other. Arnold has the overall say as the CEO, but on a par with ten Hag at the minute is John Murda. And John Murda appointed ten Hag and wanted to go for ten Hag, so he lives and dies by that decision. So I think that John Murda will persist with ten Hag in the hope that both can come out trumps and be proven right. Now I would say his job is the one that's directly under competition. John Murda's. So it, again it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the takeover and if he loses John Murdoch, what what the situation looks like after
1: that. I think it's all speculation at this point because we have to wait until Jim Ratcliffe comes in. Totally. And there are uh, reports that it could be the end of this month and then there are other reports that it could be the end of January. Yeah. It's just you have to wait and see.
0: So, I mean, I I think he's conducted himself well in the press conference again, which he usually does. He can't be faulted for that. He's very good in press conferences. Uh, But just to go on to some of the stories that came out this week, one of the ones that I chose to believe in is that he was having one-to-ones. I think this comes from Neil Costas in The Sun. He's having one-to-one meetings with his players to try and figure out what they feel is going right and what they feel is going wrong. Do you agree that that needs to happen? Yeah.
1: And I think that's logical.
0: It is not isn't it. It is in a sense, but it, it to me, comes across the, as a bit weak.
1: But if you take the individual out of the collective, you'll get more information. Because you, you will yeah. have, and you have been in dressing rooms, right? And you have very strong personalities, and you have people that don't say anything. For yeah. one reason or another, it's their personality. Yeah. Um, so if you can get somebody one-to-one and get them to open up the way they feel, maybe they've been bullied by the collective.
0: Yeah, it's true. I mean, if you are gonna point those opportunities out, maybe there is a bit of a fear factor amongst yeah. there are some powerful personalities in that dress. Absolutely. Out. And there will be some flex. S-
1: that can sway other people that especially a person who is sitting on the fence. Yeah. And you you know personalities. Some you have people who are loners and people who want to be friends with everybody and befriend everybody and but I think that, I if if it's true, I think, yes, that's a brilliant idea.
0: Because when you look at it, there are certain players in our team who don't even speak the language. There are three players I can think of. Diogo Dallo, who does obviously speak English, but that, that right-hand side quadrant, Casemiro and Anthony don't really speak great English, but they speak obviously fluent Portuguese, and they're out right in the same side as Bruno Fernandes and Dallo. And then you've got the English quadrant who are in there playing on the other half. I think so, that might be a factor? I'm not sure that it is a factor I just don't know I mean that's a race. that's 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 a take that yeah, I've completely come up on my own but, but it could be a variable it's off the back of there being rumours about dressing room unrest and I just think two of the players that have come out this week um, and sort of been highlighted or singled if anybody has any credibility or actually has a source were Raphael Varane and Casemiro and I just think to myself there's two boys that played for the Madrid together who are probably looking at it now maybe a wee bit longer in the south age in a wee bit Not getting the starts that they would expect to start in. Not playing the way they would expect to play. And are they griping on the the sidelines? Well, you
1: have two players that came from um, a highly decorated, highly successful team into a circus.
0: Yeah, with a state-of-the-art training complex playing at the Burnaby every week. And then you take on...
1: Broken Tiles in Carrington.
0: Yeah, I mean, Ronaldo's words ring out, don't they, from the Pierce Morgan interview. I didn't agree with the interview, but he did highlight some in need of addressing issues and one was the state of the training facilities in Manchester United. You know. To aspire to be one of the biggest clubs in the world, you have to have one of the best training complexes in the world. You have to have a, a hospitable environment where superstars want to come and play, not cast-offs. And even though Casemiro had a brilliant influence last season, he is starting to look like a Real Madrid cast-off. And Rafael Baran's injury record is making him look like a Real Madrid cast-off.
1: Didn't Ralph allude to that? That, in other words, United that was one of the downfalls of United, that they were they were targeting players for the, and players who were on their last big payday. They're like a Casemiro, they're like a yeah. Varane. Instead of going for young, hungry players that could be moulded.
0: I think we went for seasonal fixers as opposed Giovanni, to... You know, we bought players Ronaldo. at the end of the run yeah. who sell shirts and sound like big names. But you're looking at them now, and this usually happens after a season, possibly two seasons... They have a real big burst impact on it, And then United as a whole seems to wear them down into nothing. Casemiro is looking like a shell of himself. Raphael Varane, I think, I've said this before, the body is willing, or the mind is willing, sorry, but the body is not. The body's given up now. He's injured consistently now, whether it be through illness do. or strains or...
1: Yeah, he gave up international football as well. Yeah. But we're buying players. I agree with um, Louis van Hal, We are buying players for the commercial, commercial value. So the the like a cavani, the South American market.
0: Yeah, but that that segues nicely into one of the last points that I want to make on the press conference, which is he was asked about the transfer investment in January and he shut the question down and he almost answered what I was saying um after the Newcastle game. He has a good enough squad to do better than what is happening on the football pitch, that they're losing the game in moments and that you know he doesn't need other players in that he believes he can get it out of this squad. That was my favourite response because that's what I want from him. I get the narrative that constantly comes out with United fans, spoiled, entitled United fans, where we need to buy in more players and that's the answer, where money fixes everything. And if you fire money at players, new players will come in and get it better. And it's not the manager's fault. These players don't want to play for him and they can only play a certain style of play. I agree with certain points of that to an extent. But it's on him to take this squad and beat Fulham. And it's on him to take this squad over to Denmark and put Copenhagen out. Done the squad as well, Rory. 110. But he has come out and he has addressed everybody's points. He has said this is his style of play. Now, everyone turned around and made the narrative to me. Oh, he's not playing his style of play because he hasn't got the players. We need to buy players. Players need to come back from injuries. And he said that to a point. But he said this is how he wants to play football. So if he can't get these players playing his style of football this is where he falls and dies on his sword because he's told the press and he's told the world I'm not hiding behind excuses this is how I want to play football if it goes wrong I live with it so I was glad he came out and he said that look the current squad's good enough it should be better it's not better I'm trying to get them playing a certain way it's not working out you know we'll, we'll keep trying to push through this and if it doesn't work it doesn't work and he goes
1: I thought it was a bit of a corporate answer to be honest
0: I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to get into another Ericsson Hag traction session. I just want to know in my head at what point people look at it and see through the excuses and see that this man is coming out and saying, look, I am playing the way that I want to play. This is a new philosophy and a new style of play this season. And yes, injuries are hurting me, but I have was good enough to do better. And that's what I took from the press conference. But still... You're saying, "Oh no, that's the corporate answer." He doesn't want to say that.
1: It just sounded that he's he's not putting his players down. He's saying he's a good squad that can compete. It's nothing that we haven't heard before. I mean, and even from other managers, we've heard that corporate answer before.
0: But that's that's the funny thing about football. There's there's two completely different sides of opinion to the exact same words. Eric ten Hag out of the press conference. And your opinion, is that he's being forced into that by the board or he's saying that because he doesn't want to cause any unrest. And I'm looking at it and seeing a moment of honesty from this man that he's saying, yes, there's been injuries, and um, but this is how I want to play football and it isn't going right and I am the man to try and fix that.
1: Well, maybe I'm just being cynical and jaded and beat down by the the circus again that is Man United Football Club.
0: Yeah, and do you know what? I... I do agree with those who are calling for a bit of stability and for us to trust this manager and stay with this manager. And I can understand where you're coming from. I really can. I just look at a man who described his tactics and his style of play today and opened up and admittedly said, this is how I want to play football. And I watch the performances on the pitch and I think, oh, if this is how you want to play football and you can't see that that is completely wrong, then I don't know how getting a few defenders back into the team benefits you in any way, shape or form.
1: We'll just have to wait and see.
0: Yep, it's a time issue. Yeah. We're going to have to wait and see if it changes. But yes, moving on. Jim Ratcliffe, apparently, again, rumours. I don't know how they know this, but it's coming from Sky, who usually don't pump something out in this. There's a bit of credibility behind it. Yeah. So uh, Sky are saying that Jim Ratcliffe is willing to commit $250 million or closer to, I think, 100- $100 no, three hundred. If you're
1: talking dollars, three hundred million dollars,
0: two hundred and forty five, sterling. To the the 18 infrastructure was a Now this is being picked up too ways by United fans. Some are saying, "Oh, that's investment in the stadium coming out of his own pocket." I don't think it is. I think the stadium deal is already in progress. If what the Glazers plans, were when I last seen them, they had two plans. One was to renovate the stadium, and one was to build a new stadium. The blueprints have been drawn up for both but they didn't pursue their project because they were looking for external investment. I don't think that's what that money's for. I think that £245 is to address other issues, Carrington being one of the main ones. Yes, we need a new stadium, and that's brilliant, but a new stadium benefits us as fans and benefits the outlook of the club and the commercialism of the football club. If you want to fix the on-field issues and you're coming in to look after football and operations... Are you not spending two hundred and forty five million to redo the uh, issue that Ronaldo pointed out that Carrington is an aging back in the past historic complex?
1: Well we'll strip it back. Jim Ratcliffe is a businessman. There he was is. talk about him wanting to expand the capacity at Old Trafford. He wants it a ninety thousand seater stadium. Okay. So what the the article that I read and I cannot Remember the journalist's name, but said that that money, that extra money, is coming from his personal wealth. Now, if you have a 90,000 seater stadium, that's more revenue. So you're putting money in to get money out of it.
0: Yeah, I get that. But how can you talk about extensions on a stadium that needs to be reconstructed and rebuilt? Old Trafford is a shell of its former self. It stands out as a sore thumb, as an outdated relic of 1990s football and that was the last time i can remember an extension being built at manchester united and i remember having the videotape on VHS that you bought me one year and watching it and they were talking about the construction of it can't remember which stand it was but it was the oxford stand and they were building that new tin roof and stuff over it and that was grand and was brilliant back then that's the last time Stated. that old Trappard was touched so how can he talk about pumping 240 feet if this is what's happening How can he talk about pumping £245 million into extending a stadium that either needs to be moved and shifted and rebuilt somewhere else or go under a serious construction project whereby we'd have to play somewhere else?
1: Again, Radcliffe is a businessman and a very astute businessman. He would have dotted the I's, crossed the T's. He would, first of all, before he committed to anything, talk to architect, talk to engineers, can this be done? how much it's going to take.
0: See, if that is the case, then I'm disheartened by that. I thought when they talked about infrastructure, they were talking about training facilities and they were talking about maybe revamping, remodernising a few of our campuses and complexes when it comes to youth teams and, and the first team. If it's a $245 million upfront investment to secure a loan to build a new stadium, then what the fuck does that do to the on-field problems? Absolutely nothing. So again, I'm disheartened by that. That's that's irrelevant the no stadium is not an issue to be addressed immediately it's an issue it needs fixing but oh my god there's so much more to do before you go and try and grab more cash in over the years by building a bigger stadium
1: well that again is just me being cynical it maybe is something entirely different but there's no return in a training well thought that's
0: why he was taken out of his personal finance OS probably wouldn't spend the money on it because OS would look for the return on investment Okay, we'll front you the money or we'll take on the loan from the new Old Trafford. But when the new Old Trafford gets built, you're putting a few bars and restaurants in there. Any of name is going in each one of those bars and restaurants. And we want a certain percentage of the commercial profits to come off full Trafford pumped back into our club. And that's the way business invests. But why does he need to raise his own personal capital then?
1: I would have no Is idea. he trying to
0: keep the debt away from the football club for the new stadium? Or to me, he was taking £245 million and basically gifting it to Manchester United to build new training facilities and to build up the structures mm. that we need. Because it, it was just a funny wording. Yeah. It comes out from Sky and it doesn't say £245 million to build into the stadium. It was to build into the infrastructure of Manchester United. I thought that was going to be delegated funds pumped out for training. It could be. It,
1: it, it could be, but the... And it's again, that's expanded. a guess for yeah. me. I have no It's a guess for me as well, but it was just reading into the, um, the stories um, or reports that came out of him wanting to expand the stadium. Yeah. To a 90,000-seater stadium. And I thought, is that what the money's for? <sighs> I just
0: really Reconstructing hope. Reconstructing the stadium. I really hope both statements are like intrinsically off. linked. Fix the roof.
1: Slap a plaster up. It.
0: Yeah, it's, it's beyond that. If that was the only problems at Old Trafford, the glazers would have fixed it. I truly believe that. But when you look at a steel structure of that magnitude, and I'm not I'm not well versed in especially steelworks and construction, but that's that's the replacement of that roof. That's serious, heavy investment into that. And why would you invest in the repairs at Old Trafford if you're planning to build a new stadium or revamp Old Trafford anyway?
1: But I don't think they're going to build a new stadium. I think they're going to reconstruct
0: Old well, Trafford? Hopefully. I would like to preserve the history of Old Trafford I'm not one for moving the new stadium to a new place so really Mm. I'm really not it means playing away from the stadium for a period but I would rather have that and then move back in so that I could take the likes of my (laughs) fear or people could take their kids over and you can say you have that I know it's a sad sentimental thought but you have that theatre like I was there to watch Manchester United now you are here to watch Manchester United your kids will come to watch Manchester United and it's Old Trafford it's the theatre of dreams it's where I grew up Watching these iconic players play. Yep. I don't want to start a new legacy elsewhere. I've never been a fan of that.
1: Well, I think that would appease most fans. If, a new, if they could reconstruct Old Trafford.
0: In Huge some project. Classic.
1: Yeah, oh, absolutely. But if you have the right people that know what they're doing.
0: Where do you think we would play? Do you think there's that much animosity now between... Like, if you cast your mind back, maybe... 10 years ago, it wouldn't have been unfathomable for us to play at Man City Stadium.
1: Mm, correct me if but I'm now, wrong. But now, is there that I'm much have taken a hit on capacity with the work that they're doing at Anfield. Aren't they building a new stand?
0: I don't pay enough attention to them to even have a guess at that. Don't well, no, do I really?
1: But, you know, it's just a throw in there.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting concept. Like, we could withdraw, like, do it in stages? Yes we did that before in the one that I'm thinking about where we closed that stand I can't remember what stand it is but I remember so Bobby Jordan's stand do you remember we used to get those VHS's and it was like the seasonal review and it just had everything crammed into one you, you have a memory like
1: an elephant you really do, yeah. go back
0: I, to VHS yeah I, I can remember that it was like 5, 6 I used to look forward to that every year and on one of them I can remember the reconstruction back in the 90s of a, a have stand you still state. got that? Pa, I know I've got the travel one on VHS? I think so that'd be worth a fortune Think so. Hmm. Most officially I've got travel I used to have all the seasonal views, but I don't anyone. Um so yes, Jim Ratcliffe not just pumping that money in, but apparently Jim Ratcliffe wants to come in with this structure of Paul Mitchell and Brailsford and also LeBlanc is being mentioned. Now to put this in context, Jim Ratcliffe would assume the role that Joel Glazer has at the minute. We would assume again that Glazer Uh, will remain on and Jim Ratcliffe will remain on and they in the hierarchy guys will be the owners. Then directly underneath those, you will have the CEO for the football club which apparently is going to be David Brailsford. Then there's talks of them appointing a CFO in terms of LeBlanc. LeBlanc is a former financier who worked with PSG and apparently his specialism is that he's very good at structuring debt and he's very good at taking the commercial side of things and making it work to the best of its abilities when it comes to club transfers, investment, and being able to free up capital. Basically that we never end ourselves end up in the situation that happened in the summer where we're tied because we completely goosed ourselves in financial fair play. Then underneath those two, they're proposing that we have the manager, Eric Hag or otherwise, and Paul Mitchell. That's the rumours that are here at the minute. Now where Or Murda fits into that, I have no idea. And what happens to Arnold, I've no idea. No, I'd say they're right. I personally think in this structure there is no Brailsford at it's Arnold. Because isn't Brailsford in charge of Nice? Doesn't he look after the sporting side he and investments was, I think. Yeah. And it didn't really work out for the no, lad, it? No, it is? did
1: not. It was an absolute disaster. But hopefully Jim Ratcliffe will have learned from that.
0: Do you think learned from it in the sense that he keeps I Look, Keep him away there from are knives him out him within out. certain sectors of the Manchester United Fine Space for... Arnold and Murda. Now, I think if you bring in Paul Murchell, Murda has to go. I don't ever see it working with two directors of football. No, it can't work. It can't work. It can't. But is that... The correct move in your opinion do you think manchester united's hierarchy is causing issues with the exception obviously of the glazers
1: i think apart from john murder richard arnold for such a high position is learning on the job and that to me is not acceptable
0: when you say he's learning on the job well what what makes you think that right he took over the role from Woodward. He took over the from Mourinho. Yeah. yeah, not a great start, to be fair. No,
1: right. And look, if you want, this is just my opinion. If you want to be a successful business, if you want a successful football club, you need to get the best in class. And for me, Arnold and Murda haven't done that bad a job. Not as bad as people are making out, but you have to go. You have to go for the best in class, and they are not.
0: Yeah. Now. I take that Richard Arnold may not be the best in class, but he's been there for a while. You know, he's been there for a few seasons now. He has learned on the job. He knows the ins and outs of Manchester. What gives David Brailsford the right to come in and take Richard Arnold's job off the back of failing at Nice?
1: Well, I personally don't want to see him coming
0: in. No, neither do I. I really don't. But if he doesn't come in, do you keep Arnold? To
1: me, it's a toss of a coin. Richard Arnold... Ed Woodward are synonymous with the failure in Man United. This has been a, a really I think all the, I think the fan base will agree that from Alex Ferguson retired um, it, it hasn't been right. They haven't got the big decisions right. They're skipping from one disaster to another.
0: But here's one for you, right? Alex Ferguson operated with Ed Woodward and the Glazers. So why did Alex Ferguson get it right, and the current Manchester United account?
1: not Many years did he? Many years was Woodward there?
0: That's a test. Did Alex Ferguson. Two or three, possibly. I think. Yeah. When did Gil retire? And
1: we were all surprised when when um,
0: Alex Ferguson retired. We were you think he saw the beginning of the end
1: absolutely
0: absolutely he still made it work though which is the annoying thing he still made it work it almost plays into the hands of people like myself who believe that the right manager in that position could still get it right in the, in the correct you know start in the current structure but people are crying out now for changes all around it to get it right and i understand that too but i supposed to go back to our original point what qualifies Brailsford to take Richard Orland's job? Is it because he has a relationship with Jim Ratcliffe? And, yeah. But they don't have a relationship with Paul Mitchell because I don't think they've worked with Paul Mitchell before. So... I think he wanted Paul Mitchell for the
1: niece job, didn't he? At he
0: did, time. and Paul Mitchell, I don't think. He went to no, he Monaco. Won't.
1: And then he wanted home. Uh, no, and, I don't want...
0: Brails or do you just clear in? the decks? Is that the answer? To be clear, like you said, Arnold and Murdoch are synonymous with another failed regime at Manchester United, no matter how short it has been and cut their tenures now and, I don't know, turn around and say to them, this I, is the new structure, this is where we're going to, it's Brailsford because I know Brailsford and it's Paul Mitchell because we want Paul Mitchell and these are the two boys that are going to work with the management. Yeah, I, I would. New broom clean sweep and possibly LeBlanc in because the finances maybe he's looked at the books now and seen areas of improvement where these boys couldn't figure it out from a footballing sense so he takes someone in who has experience in working with financial institutes within football and he allows him to have a crack at the accounts
1: The bottom line is that Ed Woodward and Richard Arnold were their their Glazer men Yeah The Glazers are still going to be here whether we like it or not Right? Yeah But football was secondary to the Glazer family
0: It was yeah, we're I think, engine now.
1: Yeah, and I think now with Jim Radcliffe coming in, um, he will prioritise the football, the sports end of it. The football end.
0: Louis van Gaal came out... Very publicly when Erickson was taking this job and said that he shouldn't go to Manchester United, they're a commercial club, he should go to a football club. Ralph Raniak, when he was there, described the issues as in need of open-heart surgery. There needs to be 10 players into this football team and what's going on off the pitch is as much a factor as what's going on on the pitch. The Manchester United need to be gutted and reset. Do we think that Jim Ratcliffe coming in with his set-up with Brailsford and Mitchell... Brailsford to look after the club from maybe a more experienced hand and Mitchell to look after issues with players, issues with recruitment and the rest of the set up. Take those responsibilities away from Ten Do we think this is going to be the open heart surgery that we need?
1: It's going to be the start of it. It is going to be the start of it. We have... Richard Arnold alluded to it when he met that fan base. Those, um, those yeah, fans. Yeah. I thought and that was a
0: mistake. I thought that was carrying down the fan power if I'm being honest but yeah
1: no but when he said about the money that was wasted
0: which wasn't on them
1: wasn't on who?
0: Arnold and Murda I think Arnold was trying to make the point that hold on a minute here lads we understand where you're coming from
1: but they're still doing it Rory we're still paying over the odds for players like Anthony
0: now Anthony was a panicked reaction to a poor start to last season, in my opinion. I think they would have held firm on Anthony with Eriksen Hag and not given Eriksen Hag Anthony if the start of the season had it went better than it did. Because United still had Rashford and Sancho. Sancho was brought in for massive money. Massive money. Rashford was pining for a massive new contract. And then they brought in the Brazilian for £90 million, the man that Eriksen Hag wanted to provide competition, apparently, even though you had Pellestri, Amit Jallo, and... Garnacho there if I end for the first team and it was a pure reaction and that was where the knee video of Richard Arnold and John knee, Burnett, yeah, I think showed but I don't know you could sit and talk about it all day it's just it's another one where time will tell it's going to be interesting to see what Jim does as you said when he comes in how much of this is truth how much of it is rumours and nonsense and how he restructures Manchester United but another one that I wanted to talk about was some of the players at Manchester United States and their attitudes after the recent shortcomings in games and there's a few in particular that I wanted to highlight Casemiro and Varane do you think that's an issue? do you think these are older superstars who still believe they're superstars and are having issues now with being rotated and different squad selection for quotation marks tactics as Eric Tanaad calls them.
1: Um, yeah I do and personally I would get rid of both of them at the end of the season,
0: to be replaced. That's a big call. That's so you get rid of Casemiro.
1: I will get rid of Casemiro and I will get rid of Varane. And I would hope that this new regime are not looking at players near the end of their career and paying them stupid money because of their name and not their football abilities. I personally think Casemiro still is and Varane really, really good players and really good, good players, but. On the decline. Yeah. We don't need that.
0: No. I honestly think that Manchester United and ten Hag had they had the finances in the summer, would have competed, I've said this before, would have competed harder for Zazie or Tadebo and would have signed Benjamin Howard.
1: Oh, absolutely. I agree with you.
0: I don't think Harry would be there. And in an ideal world, I don't think he would have in Lindelof there either. No. I think you would see Varane as the old guard who plays when fit. But he would have had Tadebo, Pavard or are those Two of those boys in the background coming into the team to learn their craft. But anyway, ifs and woods and Cuds and yeah. all the stuff that we can't get bogged down on. Um, so that's Gass and Varane. Scott McComney, who I give dogs abuse to all the time because he just doesn't fit into the current Manchester United setup. Although you're shout that he should be a 10. I have to say suits him perfectly. To keep him away from that midfield. To keep him away from the whole of the midfield. He gets lost in there and he causes issues. But anyway, a big thing about Scott is his attitude. And he gave an interview there during the week. He Excellent. Was he was brilliant. Excellent. It was such a brilliant interview. It was, dare I say it, well, if the lad was a better player, captain-esque.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I would agree with you, yes.
0: So we talk about the players that Erickton Hag has it, And we talk about the players that Erickton Hag has brought in. And another one who I think is exemplifying... What it means to sort of galvanise a team and, and sort of go on and get along with things is Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire is speaking very well at the moment. Harry Maguire is conducting himself in a really good professional manner. Another one, and the reason I use Scott and Harry is Scott and Harry were on the shopping block. They're almost out of the club in the summer. And rightly so. Yeah. But the two guys that we kept are aging legacy stars in arguably the same positions Casemiro and Buran are apparently, now we don't know the truth of this, causing issues and seem to be really upset when they're not in the team or when they're being rotated, or just seem to be genuinely upset. So, my question to you is, we were saying about Manchester needing a hard reset. But sorry to
1: interrupt you, Rory. Are they genuinely upset, or is that just more rumours? See, this is it.
0: This is it. You can make narratives and stories out of whatever you want to. I do believe that Raphael Varane would not have been happy with being dropped for Harry Maguire. Would you? No, I wouldn't. I don't understand why Casemiro stayed in Brazil for that length of time when he had that ankle injury. There's just wee things where they're happening at the minute. And I think I'm reaching for something here. They're questionable. They're just actions and decisions where you look at it and go... And Casemiro's general demeanour is not the same. Do you remember last season when Casemiro and Varane were winning tackles and pumping the crowd up and fist pumping the crowd and all of that stuff. And they just looked really... Settled as a unit and up for it and then you fast forward to this season and they're so like Casemiro, got the captain's arm on the other night he was deservedly booked he looked like a sheep a lost sheep but do you not think into people
1: right I'm a certain age and it's very very frustrating that you can't do things that you did in your 30s and 40s and that could be what you're seeing in Casemiro. That pure frustration that his body can't do what it was doing two or three years ago.
0: I agree. I agree. And that's where I agree That's why with he's late you, but...
1: into tackles and you can just see him sometimes, you know, he's just he's looking at the sky going, why?
0: But I would agree with you, Casemiro needs replaced. Do we think that Sophie and Armrobat is good enough to stand in now for Casemiro? Because Casemiro is gone now till apparently January. He's gone for a couple of weeks. So, I called for stability and I called for a first team selection to be ironed out the other night when we got beat by Newcastle. Play your starting 11 in every Premier League game now. Is that starting 11 going to be Amrabat in Mount Midfield?
1: Is Amrabat at Casemiro's level? Absolutely not. But he's needed and he needs to get up to speed. But he's was, still playing
0: like he's playing in Syria. He's so needless fouls and he also rushing about. Has, he's slow on the ball.
1: Yeah, but he, he also apparently has a back injury that needs to be... Um, but this is
0: another narrative and another nonsense excuse that Manchester United seem to be the only culprits of. Oh, he's only playing poorly because he's still injured. Then why the fuck's he on the pitch?
1: Who else is there?
0: Why you t- so what you're saying is that Amarabad is playing out of necessity now?
1: Has to, of But is. injured? Who, else, who, who would you put there as defensive midfielder?
0: If the player was injured, Victor Lindelof, Scott McTominay, um, somebody who's fully fit, anybody who's fully fit, if the reason that that lad is not playing well is because he's injured, how does it benefit him to step out onto the pitch consistently injured? Oh, it time? doesn't. So because it's injury so again, has to I'd be So again, I'd fire that at our manager and I would say, what are you doing? What are you doing playing that lad hurt?
1: No, but his injury, apparently his back injury has to be managed. He can't play two matches a week.
0: That does nothing for the the match that he actually can play.
1: So my, oh my entire, God, you're talking about Scott McTominay come back in as a defensive midfielder.
0: No, yes. If the lad, Ooh. if are not out of choice, out of necessity, necessity. if Sophie and Amrabat is carrying a Garner an injury, the only way to get a Sophie and Amrabat that benefits us in the future is to let him rest and let him get fit. So, if there's any credibility to that rumor? Then it's nonsense. Playing that lad hurt. Could Absolute be a nonsense. But if he's full, I choose to believe that he's fully fit. He's just been poor. He hasn't picked it up correctly. He hasn't adapted to the Premier League correctly. And again, you would have to look to the coaching and wondering what's going on to help this lad fit in and settle in with his teammates. Yeah, well, you're right. That's up to the coaches. It is. Now, I think Ericsson Hag made the, the um, comment in his press conference where he said, you know, routines and that can only be got out of players who are playing consistently. So if Sophie Nomabad is fit, play him with Mason Mount and let that gel. And then when Casemiro comes back into the team, we'll see the level change. Is Casemiro really that much above of Sophie and Amrabat now? Because from what I've seen, both are poor. Yeah. At the minute, for different reasons. In the so current setup, both are poor. But yeah, I suppose it. There's a few players there that uh, we're not going to go back over again. Those are players that have come up this week. I'm not bringing up Rashford and Bruno. I'm sick no, of the talk about them. Enough arguments. I think that one's been put to bed. We'll just let. No, there... arguments, discussions. Discussions, friendly discussions. So you did discussions. I <laughs> will look ahead to the following game. The following game tomorrow, right? We'll start off on your one to eleven goalkeeper. Oh no, no. Left back.
1: That has to be a regular. Center backs. Uh, Verano Maguire. Right back. Aramon Bazaka. Yeah. Oh, definitely.
0: I would have Dalo in left back. He's the lesser of two evils. I know you're giving me that crazy look now, but he's the lesser of two evils. For every bit that Dallo was poor the other night, I watched the game back, and Rettiglion is equally as poor. He's not what How I expected fancy. him to be. They are two wing backs who would be brilliant players in a system that has three at the back. If they were playing in a five, and they were playing as more progressed wing backs, they would have the cover that they need from their centre backs to play the way that they play. But when they're playing in a back four, they're stonewall useless. They're exposed too often. They put too much pressure on the team. It
1: exposes their defensive frailties. Yeah,
0: Wambisaka right back, and Dallow in left back, but I agree with you on the rest. So in the midfield...
1: Amrabat, Mount, Fernandez.
0: Yeah, totally agree. I think we're on the same wavelength this week. That has to be the established midfield that starts every game that it's fit. And yeah. if it's twice a week, and they're fit enough for twice a week. Play them twice a week. Because I am a massive believer that you can do... What you can do on the training pitch, but those real relationships, connections, and chemistry are forged on the pitch when you're playing opposition and you have to fight and you have to scrape. And it's not, you're not playing against lads that you're used to, you you have to do it together or you fail. Um, playing up front, no, you wanted Tony Marshall to start the other night.
1: Tony Marshall should not start any more games. <laughs> I just, it has finally come, fan. you've I'm finally given fan, up, right?
0: Thank God,
1: yeah, I'll oh, Tony. Anyway, I will keep Garnaccio in. Hoyland, Anthony.
0: Okay. No, I'm playing Rashford. Of
1: course you are.
0: I am. You can't talk about... And he will
1: pick Rashford.
0: Of course he will. You can't talk about chemistries and connections in every other part of the pitch and then just neglect Marcus Rashford because you don't like him. Marcus Rashford needs to be given the same game time with Ralphus Hoyland and Mason Mount. Sorry.
1: Sorry to interrupt. It's not that I don't like Marcus Rashford. I don't think Marcus Rashford is going to fit that system. Well, tell me something.
0: Alejandro Garnaccio played the other week. Oh, we said we
1: weren't going to do this, Rory.
0: But hold on. You said that Alejandro Garnaccio deserves to start for Manchester United. And I said I didn't agree. I don't think he does much when he starts. Now, he started against Newcastle. What did he do that Rashford doesn't? Did he have any chances to score? Did he create anything? Does Rashford... Well, Rashford almost scored against City. He just fluffed that chance.
1: is not
0: Did 100 Garnacho almost score against Newcastle? Did he get himself in that position? So off the back of that, I would argue that Rashford's a better attacking outlet than Garnacho. And now you're able to sympathise with Fernandes and Huyvelin and bring them back into the team. But what my question is, and you will be in the majority <laughs> here, what is Rashford doing so wrong where we're forgiving everybody else I to and depending on this lad?
1: Rashford, for me, is a very frustrating player. Rashford is a counter-attacking player and he excels in a counter-attacking team. But he just doesn't do enough for me and it's frustrating to watch him.
0: Heuvelin has three goals in the minute of the Champions League, doesn't he? And those three goals, Rashford had two assists. So nobody in our front line, apart from Marcus Rashford, is finding our striker. Now the third goal that he scored was that immense run when he busts through man ball and everything and just run from the almost halfway line. But the two other goals that he scored came from crosses from Marcus Rashford. So Marcus Rashford seems the only person in this team able to find Hoyvlin at the minute. Yet Marcus Rashford, many people will call for him not to start tomorrow.
1: I would just like to see Garnatio
0: giving a run of games. I think he's too young for that. He's too poor for that at the minute. In your Look, opinion. United need to win tomorrow. You need your best players on the pitch. Rashford's one of our best players. And if he starts and he scores two goals tomorrow, everyone will forget of course. the negative in But goals. he has
1: to start scoring goals. And so does Hoagland.
0: That is my big issue. And I'm trying and biting my tongue here to not go off on one about that. Marcus Rashford has less to do tomorrow when he starts than Rasmus Hoagland. The striker is responsible for scoring goals, and that boy has not scored yet in the Premier League. So this narrative where the left winger has it all to do, not having it. If it's Garnacho, if it's Rashford, if it's Anthony, if it's Pellegrini, Hoiveland has got to start scoring because that's what he's in the team for. Now he's very, very young, and it's unfair to set such expectations. To the lad. Nobody's a striker. But he was chosen as the striker, and he was the one we spent the money on. He has to start We're scoring. Agree with you. And if he doesn't start scoring, we're completely goosed because the alternative to Hoveland has me feeling the same way that I feel the is alternative to Marchand. Rashford. Yeah. Anthony Marshall will offer us nothing. That is seen when he starts games. I don't think Garnacho offers us anything. And I can understand where they're big players, where big personalities, it's a big call, Hiveland out of the team, or whatever. You can't, because there's nobody to back him up, he just needs to start scoring. But I would then turn that to Marcus Rashford and say there's no one to back Rashford up because Garnacho's not ready. So I would persist. Tomorrow, Bruno in the middle, Huyvelin up front, Rashford and Anthony. When's the last time we've seen that connection play? God, there's one. I'd argue that's when they're all fit and firing. That's Manchester United's best attacking lineup. When is the last time we've seen Bruno play as the 10? Huyvelin ahead of him. Rashford on the left and Anthony on the right oh,
1: what Champions League match was it?
0: God with everything that's going on this season yeah. Anthony being in and out of the team it'd be interesting to see when they actually played, or if somebody smart enough in the comments whatever can remember oh yes please do yeah <laughs> and tell me when I play it. Maybe it's sooner than I think but I can't remember seeing that play recently from the start what I mean which is madness yeah but as always that has been Family Therapy on a Friday we will be back again next Friday and every Friday there after that. We're also gonna sandwich one in during the week. I think probably on the game the day before the Champions League games are played. Just that we round up the news and look forward to the, the game coming forward. But we'll be back again tomorrow. I think Kieran's coming back off for of that one. Um we'll sitting around the kitchen table doing a pre half time and post game analysis of what we see in front of us. You don't know how to feel about this one. Score prediction.
1: I think it'll be a draw. You think we'll draw? Yeah. What, odds do, you, what odds do you put on? Andreas Pereira scoring a
0: cracker. Yeah, no, we bastard. Yeah, I could see it. I really could. He doesn't know us anything. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go for a draw too. I think a scored draw. I would say it'll be. I'm going to be optimistic and say it's 2 2. United possibly it 2 1. I don't think Fulham are going great either. But we'll wait and see who turns up tomorrow. Folks. Give us a like on the socials, share this if you see it. If you came here through one of the social media pages, make sure you share it for us and any feedback more than welcome. Talk to you all soon.
1: Bye everyone.